0: Welcome back to Grid, Iron, Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters and the resident moose himself, Mo Nuara. After a 3-1-1 one, and one, week one in the Las Vegas Super Contest, we are tied with a bazillion people uh, <laughs> for whatever place that we are in. 65 individuals, including Uncle Brent Musburger, the VEASAN man himself, went undefeated. Looking at fantasysupercontest.com, our boy Yada, it looks like the average points total per team was 2.78, so we got three and a half for that three, one and one. But there's one gentleman on the podcast who submitted a perfect 5-0 and card, and he is coming off of his biggest PLO pot ever this evening. He has not slept yet. It is currently, we're recording this at 7.20 a.m. Pacific Time. No sleep, but he wants to stunt. Mo Nuara, how you doing, kiddo?
1: Needed Mo's card. Needed Mo's card, absolutely. I needed Mo's card. I crushed it. This must be, this is, I'm never going to have a better week than this.
0: And with the two favorites, I misspoke and said you had three favorites on your card during the podcast, but two favorites, one being the GOAT, Bill Belichick. You were, I don't want to say absolutely right in that game, I, I still think it was a little closer than you're letting on, but theory of week one, go with what we know, and we do know that, that Belichick is the GOAT. Um, you said that you're going to, you're pretty negative, Heading into week two. You
1: said pick all the opposites.
0: You got to carry on some of this positive momentum, though.
1: I felt so good last week. I mean, I did so much research. And just, I don't know. My process is definitely getting better. I'll say that. I was just making notes every game. And just pouring over every roster. And just, yeah. I, I went hard. And I guess I just got to keep going super hard. But, you know... It can only go downhill from here. No, I mean, stop. I didn't lose one single bet.
0: Stop, stop, stop. And oh, real quick, someday. before we continue with, with the card, your biggest PLO pot ever. So you have played poker far longer than I have, and you have way larger cojones than I have. I am very much a nit. Uh, so you said 1,800 goes in pre, we're playing PLO. How does Mo Noir feel at this point? Like... I felt a little scared. I I was going to say, is
1: your blood going? But that being said, I did have two pairs. So, like, let's just make a set and, uh, yeah, flop top boat. So it was a very short sweat. Actually, so it comes queen, three, three, and there was actually a three on the river. So it was mathematically possible I could have lost the pot. Like if somebody had ace, ace, five, three or something like that. Right. I would have just thrown up all over the table. But uh, we flopped top boat, and uh, that was pretty much it. Everyone just – when I when – I, I mean, people just – everyone just – it was two other people in the pond. They, they had their eyes down, and just, you know, <laughs> you feel good at that point.
0: Well, nice. Uh, and congratulations to you. Moe's going to stick around until he passes out because <laughs> – like I said, he's on the end of a very long session. Mo's five and zero. The collective card four zero and one. Your boy was three and two. Donnie was two two and one. And then Brett with one of the weirdest weeks ever. Brett goes ten five and one with all sixteen picks. This includes the Thursday night game, and then he goes two and three in his card. So I-, I think a bit of it an unfortunate ending there for Burt Minotti. DP, you went. Two, two, and one, and your push got on the card. How are you feeling after week one?
2: I feel all right uh, overall. I feel good about you know our collective entry. Um, you know, I didn't do so hot, but such is life, and uh, look to turn it around next week.
0: Looking at the consensus picks in the contest, normally, so so two normals here. Normally, this show will be coming to you published on a Tuesday, but a wonky week with. The double Monday night games, DPs in a bit of transition, Moe's on the road. So weird week, we're coming to you late, apologies for that. Normally the show will be coming to you on a Tuesday, and normally we'll be able to canvas the Super Contest, again, courtesy of fantasysupercontest.com, a little better, but week one, there's not a lot of data, there's not. There's no teams that we've seen throughout the contest, like Jank Nation or our boy Coffee Maker. That we've been following for weeks that we can talk about and dissect so these early weeks we'll just be kind of canvassing the general stats and data that we're getting from the super contest and consensus picks is one good place to start the top five most popular picks in the contest Bengals plus three rams minus four ravens minus seven and a half minnesota minus six and a half the top four all of those covered and the fifth one Texans, plus 6.5, did not cover. So 4-1 and for consensus picks, which is generally not great for us because we try to be contrarian. I think we can all say one host on this podcast tries to be a little more contrarian than the others. Um, And one of those plays was a leverage play with the Raiders, plus 4 at home on Monday night, which was unsuccessful. Looking okay in the first half. Looked like a fine read, Uh, but then the Rams pulled away in the second half. Uh, let's start there real quick for our, for our recap. We'll look at the five games that we selected, and that was one of the games. And Derek Carr uh, has been a very interesting player to watch uh, grow and then seemingly decline over the last couple of years. Mo, you were pretty ahead on the pro-Derek Carr narrative, but you have not held back these uh, last two years specifically and this Monday night. Uh, man, what what a terrible performance everybody wants to point and laugh at gruden and obviously with max performance on sunday the trade but man Derek hart has to be better that was terrible
1: absolutely abysmal he looks terrified in the pocket he looks like alex smith looked when the chiefs offensive line was at its absolute valley um and the rest of this team, just not very good either, obviously. The defense is an absolute horror show. I, I'm pissed at Brett for not being here to answer for his crimes. That pick was atrocious.
0: Well, yards for play. The Raiders actually edged him out, 6.2 to 6.1. And again, that first half was competitive. Those Derek Carr throws, I, I don't know who to blame that on, but, but but Carr. Like you said, terrified in the pocket is the best way to put it. And what's interesting about Carr is he's he's got a big frame. He's a tall guy, but he's kind of slight in stature. Like, if you look at, I mean, Big Ben and and Cam Newton are unfair because they're just behemoths, but even, like, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has some stature to him, so then when when he gets hit, uh, it doesn't look as bad. Andrew Luck has some stature to him. Derek Carr looks like a bit of a frail dude, so I think that he's, and rightly so, pretty concerned about taking some of those hits. So on, like, the the I think it was the last interception where he's going through his progressions and he's, he threw the ball to Jordy Nelson on a curl route on the left-hand side outside the number without even looking. Like he went to his final progression and just kind of let the ball rip. Uh, DP, you were a bit bullish on Marshawn Lynch, but you've been kind of anti-Gruden uh, throughout the process. Uh, what do you take from this game obviously we know the rams are good the kind of the rams are who we thought they were funnel defense great cornerback play jared cook got his but they don't really care as long as the outside receivers don't eat which amari cooper did not and obviously the offense was what we expect but what did you gain from the gruden raiders experience on monday night
2: well gruden needs to be that uh quarterback whisperer that a lot of people say that he is i mean that that like most said that was absolutely atrocious from Derek Carr. Um I mean he threw the football like it was a shot put. I don't really understand. Um I mean in in, in addition to being very timid back there, scared, frazzled, uh you know, his mechanics just looked really really bad. Um just in terms of <laughs> throwing the football. And you're in a starting NFL quarterback and someone that people thought was, you know, this young and up and um th- that did not look good. It did not look promising at all. They showed a lot of clips of uh Gruden on the sidelines, and he just looked like, what the hell is this? Uh, That said, uh, you mentioned Marshawn Lynch. I was a little surprised they didn't use him a bit more. Um, I just, I don't know. I didn't feel like he was doing too bad. Uh, I mean, he opened the game up with that, uh, you know, super tough run early on to get them that touchdown. Uh, You know, he was bowled in by his offensive line. But, uh, I mean, that's the beast mode that everyone knows and loves. And I was surprised they didn't use him more throughout the game. Um, They they used a lot of uh, Doug Martin, more than I thought. Um, And then uh, Rashard as well was in there. I mean, obviously Rashard is a pass catching back, but uh, I thought they should have used Marshawn Lynch a little bit more. And I I mean, I guess it's on Derek Carr to understand where the outside wide receivers went. I mean, Jordy Nelson, you mentioned Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper had, what, one catch for nine yards or something like that. Uh, Jared Cook did awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean that offense needs to get in better sync. Gruden's got a lot of work to do. That's for sure.
0: This is a theme that I think is going to carry throughout the season, outside receivers having issues and tight ends and pass catching backs. As you mentioned with Jalen Lashard eating against this Rams defense. I mean, we saw this in Denver. This is what Wade Phillips does when he gets his hands on two cornerbacks, like uh, a keep to and Marcus Peters. So uh, getting the Arizona Cardinals this week I think Ricky Seals-Jones is a very interesting streaming option and a daily fantasy play as well uh Jones while he did not Rick Seals-Jones while he didn't have a great game last week uh I believe had a 20% target share in that Cardinals offense and with this type of funnel defense he's going to be a really good option in those areas let's work backwards and I mentioned that Brent Musburger was one of the individuals with a perfect card this week. And one of the plays that he had was the most popular play of the week. Bengals plus three. Close game, back and forth, but ultimately uh, the Colts really pooped themselves. Uh, Bengals stormed back. Andy Dalton led a a very easy drive to take the lead. A.J. Green with a long touchdown to seal it. And then on the uh, uh, following drive... Fumble uh, by the Colts, returned all the way for a touchdown for the Bengals. 34-23 was the total, but I I do not think this game was as close as the score even indicates. Uh, The Bengals outgained the Colts' uh, yards per play, 6.6 to the Colts' 4.9. And Andrew Luck was at the bottom of the league in pass attempts that traveled 15 yards or more in the air. Mo, we love Luck. You more than anybody on this podcast, but I don't I don't know if he is right. And if he's not right, my concerns about this Colts roster remain. This might be a very bad football team, buddy.
1: Yeah, this defense is about as bad as we expected. Um That being said, they faced one of the best defensive lines on the other side of the ball. And um they were not wrecked not by any means not the way they have been in the past so there were some encouraging signs for sure uh they definitely sort of melted at the end but they've been a Colts win but uh yeah I mean market was right you were right Bengals much better than the Colts it looks like and uh I, I still feel good about my 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 Colts plus six hundred though. Rest of the division looks pretty not scary.
0: Yeah, things are looking weird in the South. Uh, we have the Marcus Mariota injury. He suffered a contusion to his funny bone of all places and lost feeling in his hand. Reportedly or purportedly, uh, went back into the game and threw two interceptions. I'm sure it's difficult to throw the pigskin in a professional football game without feeling in your hand. Uh, The line was actually just released on Pinnacle for Texans-Titans, and the Texans opened as a two-point road favorite. To me, that indicates that Mariota may not be playing on Sunday. And then the Houston Texans, we can touch upon that briefly. Uh, (laughs) Man, they can't block. (laughs) That offensive line is just atrocious. Uh, and, and Jacksonville seems like they might be the only contender in this division. Uh, let's look at the other side of the ball, the Bengals. Again, this one wasn't pretty, but I kind of felt the whole time that the Bengals were maybe not in control, but certainly within striking distance and just needed to put a few drives together. Uh, DP, what do you take from, from Cincinnati in this game? Uh, are, are they still led by Marv Lewis? Uh, peanuts for Brains? or could this Bengals team compete in uh in an, a very interesting just like the AFC South AFC North
2: Yeah I mean I think the Bengals they have the talent they have the skill to be able to compete I mean honestly and especially in the 2018 NFL I think they're going to like this the whole being undisciplined thing is really going to hurt them it got a player kicked out uh this last week it had a bunch of other penalties and just the way that they're throwing these flags and doing all this stuff. I mean, it's the Bengals and they just, they just seem to lack that discipline. I think the discipline translates a little bit outside of penalties too, in terms of like, you know, how they run their scheme, their plays, that sort of stuff, which goes back to Marvin Lewis. I mean, he's just really more or less a puppet there uh, just to keep the operation running. Um, but they have the talent. We know what Joe Mixon is. He's really good. AJ Green is pretty good. Andy Dalton is, you know, he's fine. And the defense, like Mo mentioned, is good too. So they just, if they can just keep their heads on straight, they can be a really good team. I think it did show us something, Rich, like you mentioned. You know, we never really felt like this game was out of reach for the Bengals, even though they were trailing for a large portion of it, Um, which is a good thing that you know they didn't fall apart. They they stuck in it and they ended up making a big play at the end to you know go on and win by 11 points. But uh, I thought that that was a really good sign that they didn't, you know, on the road in the opener, they didn't get scared, they didn't back down, you know, they stuck in the game, they made it happen, and they ended up coming out on top and uh, getting a nice big win.
0: Mo made a good point about the offensive line, too, for the Colts there. Uh, To the naked eye, I didn't seem concerned about luck in any way, shape, or form. The numbers bear out a different story. I was very concerned when I heard that stat, but that could also just be the way that Frank Reich is calling the game. Maybe just to get Luck into a rhythm, allow him to get comfortable, and then once the season progresses a little bit, allow him to take some deeper shots downfield. DP, you mentioned Joe Mixon. I mean, 17 carries, 7 targets in the pass game. That guy is high-end RB2, maybe even low-end RB1. Love the talent. And if the Bengals keep putting themselves in situations where there's neutral or even positive game script, this guy is going to eat. Big game tonight. As we record this, Bengals-Ravens tonight with uh, the Steelers and Browns tying. And the Steelers playing the Chiefs this week in a tough Week 2 game. Uh, If whoever wins tonight, if there is an actual victor, unlike the other AFC North game, Bengals-Ravens, a big 2-0 start for one of those squads. The other game we had on Sunday was Seahawks at Broncos. Turnovers were the key in this one. Three interceptions from Case Keenum. Two interceptions from Russell Wilson and a key fumble by Chris Carson. Uh, The Bengals kind of jumped out. They looked impressive, but the Seahawks kept fighting. They Just like the Bengals, they remained in the game, and this game ends in a push 27-24. We had Broncos minus three on the card. DP, this was your selection. What did you take out of this contest from these two sides?
2: Just don't throw any more interceptions case and we'll be fine. (laughs) I mean, mean, it kind of seems like it went how we thought that I felt pretty confident the Broncos are going to get the cover. I didn't think Seattle had too much. I mean, they had something Disley was running all over the field, catching balls and, you know, showing out. But other than that, I mean, Doug Baldwin got hurt. Uh, I mean, Chris Carson looks pretty all right coming out of the backfield uh, for Seattle. Um, you know, catching the ball a lot, uh, but I didn't. I wasn't too scared overall. And then it just seemed like every time my confidence went as high as it could, Case would throw an interception. I mean, you know, one of those was a really good play. One was a really bad throw. It's you know, just don't have turnovers, man. And you know, you'll be fine. I, I thought, I thought Case Keenum looked pretty good overall. Um, in terms of giving the Broncos an upgrade at QB. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's going to benefit, you know, people like, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Definitely. Um, I really like this kid, Lindsay Demarius Thomas did all right. So, I mean, the Broncos at home, I think we know what they are. They're going to be a really tough team to play in a tough place to play. So, you know, I'll look for similar spots like this, uh, in the future going ahead. But yeah, I mean, it, without those case Keenum turnovers, I think we get a fairly easy cover here.
0: Broncos dominated time and possession, 35 minutes to 25 minutes. They also outgained. Uh, the Seahawks by nearly a yard per play, 6.5 to 5.6. Mo, I feel like we should have gotten the cover here, but at the same time, you know, Case Keenum, journeyman quarterback, there's a reason he played for several teams over several years before finally landing with the Vikings last year, and now ultimately with the Broncos. Uh, I I still kind of love this team at 50-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, but... Can we expect better play from Keenum? Or is this kind of just what the Broncos are going to be?
1: I mean, he didn't have a great O-line last year. But other than that, uh, a lot of what he was in was pretty ideal. You know, he was protecting a lot of leads. on running game for much of the season. And, of course, he had two of the very best wide receivers in the NFL and a solid tight end to throw to. So... He was in a really, and obviously one of the best coaching staffs backing him up there. So it was pretty ideal. Um, I wouldn't really expect that case Keenum, but like he could be solid. I think he probably is solid, like league average ish. And um, that might be enough with this Denver team. But, you know, they, they have good weapons too. So, you know, maybe he can succeed again. But, It is a little worrisome that he just came out and was just giving the ball away. That's just not what you want to do when you have a strong defense like this. You don't need to take a lot of chances.
0: And speaking of coaching, you know, the Seahawks just won't die. This is a season where we had some negative expectations for them. And this is the type of game where the Broncos kind of started to... They started really rolling early in this game. And I think a poorly coached team may have collapsed a little bit uh after the lead was taken at the beginning there you know uh Seattle starts the scoring but uh Denver punched them right back and then they went out to a 17-10 lead and but I don't know I just there's something about this Hawks team coaching Mo you said this in the chat coaching is something that I don't know if we can I don't know if we rate it Properly enough, it, it is just so important in this league, Mo.
1: It's really hard to cap coaching. Um, you, you just, it's just something you got to keep in mind and and something I try to use kind of at the end to adjust lines after I'm doing it based on like matchups and talent and, and you know, moving around your final rankings because you really got to give these good coaches credit and you really do have to, Look at these bad coaches like this something Vance, um <laughs> the, the Chargers guy. Uh, and... Who were some of our other favorites in in, in past years? Something um, something Will Rivera. Donnie's favorite. Something Rivera. Yeah, Rivera. You know he's like not the sharpest. Some of these guys, you just know they're not going to get the most out of their talent, and they're they're just going to make their teams less than the sum of their parts. Whereas. Other coaches are guys like Belichick and Peterson are elevating, you know, to elite. And then even a guy like Todd Bowles, I think, is like pretty underrated and solid. And like last year, scraped together a lot of chicken shit and made a halfway palatable chicken salad out of it.
0: I think that the Seahawks, while they're not a great team, I think they're going to be consistently undervalued this season because of coaching. They're a team that I'm certainly going to keep my eye on. Our next game was uh, a very fun game. The Sunday night tilt, it included the team that the Seahawks will be playing this week, the Chicago Bears, who jumped out to a massive lead against the hometown Green Bay Packers. It was 20-0. to uh, in the third quarter, before Green Bay finally got their first couple of points uh, during that 20-0 run, we saw Aaron Rodgers go down with a knee injury and get carted off of the field after being uh, and then examined uh, in the blue tent and then off to the locker room. Things looked grim, and everything looked like a party in Chicago. Here is Matt Nagy coming in to install a 2018 offense. Here's Mitch Trubisky progressing into an NFL quarterback. Here's Khalil Mack, the treasure that we just traded multiple picks for, absolutely wrecking the Packers offense. And then ho-hum, Donnie, close your ears, the greatest of all time, walks onto the field and just (laughs) takes the will out of the Chicago Bears and leads the Packers back to victory. Uh... This game was wild. Of course, we covered, but the Packers get the win outright. And, DP, I have to go to you because you have the Bears' season win total over. You were absolutely distraught after this game. How are you feeling now that you've had a couple days to digest this loss?
2: I mean, I feel the same. I I don't understand what happened. I mean, you guys want to talk about coaching. I mean, what the hell was Nagy doing at the end of the game? I mean, these— these, I have an issue with these coaches who, okay, so you can be a coach who calls plays. I think that that can kind of be fine. But when your head is buried in the damn play sheet all the time and you're not kind of just like surveying everything that's going on, I feel like you can lose a lot. You know, I feel like that's kind of been Andy Reid's downfall is that he's always buried in his play sheet. And he doesn't know what the clock is saying. You know, that's always the big thing with Andy Reid. I feel like that's what you see with a lot of these guys. Um, I just, at the end of that game, to me, I, I don't understand why, you know, they kicked and, and ended up giving it back uh, to to Green Bay there. I mean, Green Bay was – I mean, yeah, they were losing, but they felt like everything was going in their favor. You know, even when they kicked and added three points, it was like, you know, it doesn't matter. They have Rodgers. You know, the Bears look like a deer in headlights ever since Rodgers came <laughs> coming back out of that tunnel. And, yeah, it just – it all went downhill. I mean, I don't know how you how you blow such a big lead like that. I mean – they had a really good defense. Just, God, just shut them down. I mean, I get it. Lambeau Field, or you know, it's a really hard place to play, but come on, guys. The big play was, of course, that third and one
0: where they dialed up a pass play for Trubisky who honestly missed Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen ran, uh, it was like initially a, a flat and then it turned into a wheel route. I don't know if that was by design or if it was just like a very awkward wheel route that he ran. But he was covered in the flat by a defensive end who leaked out. But as soon as Tree Cohen uh, turned upfield, you you just got to throw that ball to the corner. He's going to be open. Not only uh, are you going to get the first down, but they would have gotten a touchdown to win the game. Trubisky started off hot. This uh, This is rule of scripted plays versus when you're in the actual game and you're making adjustments, and this is why Belichick is GOAT. So first drive, Bears get the ball. I mean, we're going nuts in our chat because not only do they get a stop, but then they walk right down the field and score a touchdown. And these are plays that they were set to run. They were pre-scripted. They knew what they were going to do. But after that, I mean, Trubisky finishes the game with 171 yards on 35 attempts. That's just not going to do it in 2018. I was not impressed by him whatsoever. I thought he was completely inaccurate Uh, at the end of the game when they just needed to put a few drives together to cement the lead, win the game. I'm putting this on him and not as much as Nagy. I don't think this kid is an NFL quarterback. I think the Bears are going to be in real trouble if they're leaning on this guy. Uh, I think They have a tremendous defense. And and Mac, not even knowing any of the plays or schemes, he just knew to line up outside and be a terror, and he was certainly a terror. But, guys, I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is an NFL quarterback.
1: Mo, do I don't think? know if the staff thinks that either
0: yeah they're they're definitely babying him with uh some of these games yeah. they
1: didn't let him try to win the game yeah that's for sure and they
0: and I mean they did inherit him right it's a weird situation where the previous regime went all in and John Lynch uh was the uh the recipient of a king's ransom for this selection in which they took Mitch trubisky and now the bears just inherit this young quarterback that they kind of just have to
1: use. That's a good point there, Maya. Yeah, it definitely did not look like they were too excited. I mean, it's just like such a stark contrast when you see Sam Darnold winging 50-yard touchdowns down the pitch, you know? I mean, that just wasn't going to happen in this game, clearly. And they just weren't even going to let him try.
0: Yeah, this uh, I, I talked about how I think the Hawks are undervalued Uh, and how I'm not loving Mitch Trubisky, that might... uh, (laughs) I'm very interested in this Bears seahawks game next week, (laughs) because I'm not sure that we can say that the Chicago Bears are a half point better than the Seahawks, as the current spread indicates. Let's go to Monday night and finish off our individual recap with uh, our last win of the week, And, Mo, you teased it there very briefly. Savior Sam, Sam Darnold and the New York Jets go to Detroit and absolutely obliterate the Detroit Lions. 48-17 was the final. This is a weird game. I don't know how much true analysis we can do uh, and take away from this game because it starts with uh, a pick-six first play of Sam Darnold's NFL career. They run a designed, roll-right, throwback wheel route to the left-hand side. And Darnold, as Mo put it in the chat, he thought it was still the Pac-12. He didn't think about reading the coverage. He just kind of ran the play, rolls right, sets his feet, and just blindly throws left. Uh, Of course, the left cornerback, whose name is escaping me, baits the play, picks it off, takes it back for a touchdown. But to the Jets' credit, and especially uh, offensive coordinator Jeremy Bates, they do not change the game plan. The Jets get the ball back, uh, and... They didn't baby Darnold, and they stayed competitive. They put a drive together. They tied the game. Uh, They battled back and forth in the first half, uh, had a lead at the first half. The Lions open up the second half with a scoring drive, and then the snowball just (laughs) flies down (laughs) the mountain in the third quarter as the Jets find a way to score a defensive and special teams touchdown within, I believe it was six minutes and everything just went to shit for the Lions in that quarter, the Jets ended up scoring four touchdowns and a field goal in that third quarter. Again, I don't know how much we can take away in totality from this game. It was just so awkward. But I, I do think the one thing I know, uh, DP, is that your boy, Matt Patricia is running a very bad defense in Detroit.
2: He looks awful. As a head coach. I mean, absolutely awful. It was, that was, that was a joke by Matt Patricia. I mean, it's going to, I think it'll be a little bit interesting this week because they play the 49ers who are pretty big favorites. And it's going against Jimmy Garoppolo, who he um, obviously sought a lot of in New England. Um, so I'm a little bit interested there, but overall things don't look good out of Detroit. Uh, you know, a lot of the reports say there's, I mean, what's it, it going to be a mutiny now? I mean, the, the players are pissed off. They're not happy at all. They're not happy with how they went into that game, you know, throughout preseason, saying that Matt Patricia really overworked them, uh, you know, worked them too hard, didn't really get them prepared just as uh, he thought they should. It seems like Patricia's that guy. I mean, just going back to his attitude when he walked off that plane after they won the Super Bowl wearing the Roger Goodell face on his T-shirt with a clown nose. I mean, he just seems like that guy who's going to really – be overconfident and revel in the success that may not necessarily be tied to him. I mean, everyone knows that Bill Belichick is, you know, absolutely incredible. And also, you know, not only as a head coach, but defensive minded head coach where he's the one largely in charge of the defense in new England. And yeah, Matt Patricia was pretty good, but was he really as good as everyone thinks he was? I I don't really get it. I mean, look what happened in the Super Bowl: the Eagles, Absolutely trounced the New England Patriots defense, and then the Detroit Lions go out and get that defensive coordinator as their head coach. It doesn't really add up to me. I think he's going to be pretty much a a fake head coach going forward, and uh, could be right up there at the top to be the first one to get fired.
0: I was going to say he might be on the sideline in come February for the Super Bowl for the Patriots. I, I don't. I don't think there's a non-zero chance of that happening.
2: Please no. <laughs> I'm over it. See you later.
0: Not only were they trounced in the Super Bowl, but as I badgered the entire world last year, Patriots were 31st in defense DVOA, and defense was the need for Detroit. Their offense has been fine under Stafford. Again, I think this game is a total aberration for Stafford. That was just not. That was not him wearing a powder blue nine jersey for the Lions on Monday night. That was weird. That was a very weird performance. But Detroit. Well, was, Andy also hurt himself. Oh, I, I did not know. Did what I did not know.
2: He uh, he got hit in the knee. Um, I think kind of early on. Uh, I mean like similar sort of. Oh yeah, that was with uh like Rogers, but he didn't go to the tunnel. Uh, but he he did not look right after that. He couldn't put a lot of weight on it and that sort of thing. So he it got better throughout the game, but uh, yeah, he got whacked early on.
0: Interesting. I do remember them pulling him briefly in the game, but uh, Matt Castle did not stay in the game, which is a bit unique. Uh, when the game's at hand like that. But I guess the same could be said, and it was said about the Packers. Why put Rodgers back into the game when the game is seemingly, as we know it was, it wasn't now, out of hand. Uh, and your star quarterback, who on, in the Packers case, just signed for the largest contract in the history of the NFL. Why put him back in the game? Um, and some of the data people were against it. But I think I think it's a little different between Rodgers and Stafford. Rodgers can come in and just take over a game. He's that good. Stafford, while I, I think he's fine, uh, I don't think he has this, the same kind of impact as Mr. Rodgers. That's not saying much. Uh, Darnold, you mentioned him briefly, Mo. Uh looks like a professional quarterback. I'm I'm my cautious optimism is turning into pure optimism, Mo.
1: Yeah, how excited are you? <laughs> you can't can't even measure it. <laughs> Jets might be relevant finally. I mean looks but- like a professional quarterback
2: yeah. after the first two minutes of the game. Well, yeah, yeah, that was,
0: but I don't even know if that was his fault, to be honest. I mean, it ultimately was, because, come on,
2: kid. You just can't throw across the field in the NFL like that. But
0: why yeah. call that? Why call that play? That is a designed rollout throwback play. Why call that for the 21-year-old who, I mean, he's a kid. He literally is a kid. Opening day, Monday night football, entire universe is watching. Why call that play on play one? Seems like a yeah. mistake.
1: Get him some confidence first. I mean, I don't know. I I still have a lot of concerns about the Jets overall, chiefly the offensive line. They didn't look that great. And this Detroit defense is complete trash, and they were still able to... They had Darnold running uh, for his life in a few spots where uh, better D-lines are just, I think, going to maul this group. But uh, overall, I, I feel like I said earlier, Bulls is a solid coach and gets uh a good amount out of the talent he has and and yeah our darnold definitely looks like he's he's gonna be the future i mean he's no he's no mahomes Kent, can't
0: mahomes uh, real quick uh still on the jets game and then we'll get to mahomes i I want to i want the people to hear your take quincy anunua uh heart of a husker nebraska zone 10 targets catches six of them for 63 yards and a touchdown he missed all last year with a neck injury He's like a hybrid wide receiver tight end, plays tight to the formation, doesn't split out wide. He's going to be a preferred target for Darnold in this offense. He just works the seam so well. My biggest concern with him is obviously injury. This guy catches so many contested balls where he's moving up the field vertically and just gets teed off on by outside linebackers and safeties, so obviously uh, your waivers have already processed this week, and, and Uno was probably added in many leagues, I think he is a viable fantasy option, but just keep that in the back of your mind that he plays a very violent style where injury uh, might be uh, something that comes his way. And then, I, I guys, I think Terrell Pryor is going to be a, three, uh, a thing. Three targets, catches all three of them for 50 yards. Robbie Anderson only had one target, and if the Jets are going to play this compact... I mean, they did let him rip it to Robbie on that one play, but the offense was generally compact, a lot of quick throws. That's going to benefit Pryor over Robbie Anderson. Robbie is so slight. He's not the best route runner. He wins when he's just flying up the field on a nine route, jumping for 50-50 balls, whereas Pryor has a bigger frame, runs a little bit of a better route, which is strange coming from a quarterback. So I'd keep our eyes on on Terrell Pryor. Uh, Jermaine Kearse was practicing this week, so he's going to return, so even he's going to eat into some of the production, so uh, I'm very interested in Pryor moving forward, and I think Robbie Anderson, if you can sell him, uh, I I think he's a good sell candidate. I don't know how many days he's going to have in the end zone, given the amount of targets that are going around, and uh, the Jets, their style, and and how... Infrequently, they're going to look downfield. Someone. So are we selling? Uh, maybe if we can get somebody to buy.
2: Good, because we need a running back.
0: Donnie's referencing a uh, a dynasty league that we co manage, where yes, we desperately need running back. Someone who is not afraid to go downfield. There's a duo. I, I should say a trio: Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, and Tyree Hill. Mo, I'm excited, but you must be absolutely floored by how this kid looked on Sunday against the Chargers.
1: Just make his bust right now in Canton. Chiefs, I can't promise you this team is going to win Super Bowls, but I can promise you for about the next 10 years, this team is going to score a lot of fucking points.
0: I was going to say, I I can't even promise you that this team's going to win a lot of games, but these games are going to be awesome because they can't cover anybody and they could score on anybody. Like, these these games are 60 points is within the realm of possibility whenever they play a team with a pulse.
1: Just bet every Chiefs over until they start making the lines 55.
0: (laughs) Like, this game Sunday should be a blast. Pittsburgh gets to come home where they traditionally play a little bit better. You've got Ben, Juju, and Antonio Brown against a horrible Chiefs defense. And then, of course, on the other side of the ball, you've got Goat, Andy Reid, and Mahomes Canton. All the points. All the points in this game. But can you win that way? That's the question, Mo. you got to get some stops. When's Eric Berry going to play again?
1: Not soon enough, because this defense is an absolute horror show. <laughs> and, yeah, man, the Steelers are going to absolutely savage this unit. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be bad.
0: So we'll look forward to that on Sunday. Any big takeaways from Sunday? Again, this show is a bit a bit unique because we don't we don't have as many data points as we're going to have in the future to dissect and slice and dice. We still don't really know what these teams are, but there are certain things that I think we can fairly say that we learned on Sunday, or at least ideas that we had that were cemented. And one of them That I screwed up on. And I want to apologize to the collective, to the world. Guys, the Cowboys are so bad. And I prevented them. That team team should not even
2: be in the NFL.
0: I prevented them from being on the card. Didn't end up mattering. The collective pick was the Bears, who covered anyway. But the whole preseason I was saying this team was bad. I, I was parading around saying, take the Cowboys under eight. For plus, I believe it was plus 133. And then I clicked Cowboys. What am I doing? I believed in the market too much.
1: No, rain shame on me.
0: I know you want to. Yeah,
1: I'm mad at myself too that I let the market sway me from that being my top play. But play was good anyway since it was a dog that won by 30. But man, yeah. Cowboys are fucking awful. (laughs)
2: They're bad, and they have a really, really bad coach as yeah.
1: well.
0: Yeah, what a... And an offensive line that can't get any push. The uh, the Frederick situation remains, uh, and they just... they No phase of their game looked even halfway competent.
1: What did people see in this team? That's what I don't get. Like, when I looked at analysts, DVOA, people scouts like literally everyone had this as a seven to nine win team and it's just some people were even picking them into the playoffs i don't get it i think you just look with two eyes at this roster they were horrible
0: i think people just instantly were like oh cowboys o-line is goat zeke is great they'll figure it out i think that was truly the analysis of most people when in actuality this o-line is a disaster and even if Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best running backs in the game. It doesn't matter one iota if you can't block someone. It just doesn't. They have
2: no receivers as well. None. Cole Beasley is your best wide receiver.
0: Cowboys and Cardinals. I think they could... I made the joke on Sunday during that crazy weather delay that if the Titans and Dolphins played or were delayed for infinity, would anybody complain? I think Cardinals-Cowboys is is the uh, equivalent in the NFC. I think that's another thing that we learned. This Cardinals team is in trouble. Sam Bradford looked terrible. And I've been a bit of a Sam Bradford apologist. Uh, I thought that he could play 2018 football where you're just throwing accurate three to four yard passes. But he did not look good. And then David Johnson popped up on the injury report yesterday with a back injury, which, yikes. Yikes, Arizona Cardinals. DP, anything for you? Anything that this Sunday... Either you learned, you feel like you learned, or a preconception that you thought you had heading into the season was confirmed, or on the other end, uh, a preconception you had was uh, denied by the football on the field.
2: Not really. I mean, I I just, I don't want to take a ton from week one, um, because it's, the most wild card week. And, you know, we have all of these ideas of what we think these teams are. You know, we look back at last year and we kind of see what teams are. We then transition that into what we think they're going to be this year. And then teams come out and they can look complete one eighties from what we thought. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I've been thinking a lot about week one. I'm not sure what exactly, how that's going to help me think about week two, but but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like a lot of these teams just, they either did really bad and they're not that bad or they did really well and they're certainly not that good. So I just need to temper my expectations going forward. I am kind of interested to see, I mean, it's Thursday. So to see this game tonight, because well, one, I think this line is off. And two, I just, I don't know what this Ravens team is. I mean, they destroyed the Bills, but the Bills are horrible. And that's on us for those of us that pick the Bills. Uh Last week. So I'm curious to see what they look like going forward. Defense looks pretty well, but they did play Nathan Peterman and a Bills offense that's horrible. Um, and then Bengals, you know, like we talked about earlier, they looked uh, pretty well. And if they can keep it together, uh, they're going to be an interesting team going forward. So I'm interested to look at this Thursday night game. It's basically a free look at a game and th- to help us in the future when, you know, when they're not playing on Thursday night because we do avoid the Thursday night games.
0: Yeah. As people, If people don't know, we do not put the Thursday game on our card because if you do so, you have to submit all five games, and the Friday injury report is too valuable to pass up. Tonight's game is very interesting. A lot of trends going against each other. Uh, Short road favorites in division historically do not do well. Those games are closer than anticipated. And on the other end, you get primetime Andy, who (laughs) is just has made somehow made a living of pooping on his own cleats when the lights shine the brightest. I do agree. I think I see some value in the home dog there. Uh, Mo, anything that you took from week one that you're going to use moving forward? Are you, like Donnie, taking more of a wait-and-see approach?
1: You never want to go too... I think almost all of my reads. uh, Not to brag too much. But, well, I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were fucking dead on. All the teams I pretty much thought sucked, looked horrible, and most of the teams I thought were going to blow people out did like the Ravens. Um I think one one takeaway I might Okay, so there's always at least a few super weird results like like Donnie was saying in week 1, but man this char- I just feel like this Chargers team is never going to be more than the some of their parts yeah, maybe they, they just need joey bosa when are they back. gonna meet the height. i just feel like this staff can't turn this team that has talent into an
2: above average like really good team
0: yeah they just never do it i don't know I,
2: I, they have talent everywhere every single year and just everywhere
0: and they're, they're always hurt which that seems institutional at some point i it has to just not be variance right like, are they not training hard yeah, enough? Too much
2: time on the yachts and not enough time in training camp in the weight room. I, I don't know what it is, but they are always hurt. Every single year before in preseason, you could pencil in two or three good guys getting hurt throughout the season, one or two more getting hurt.
0: Like, is there something institutional there? Is there just bad juju? Is the is there was there some witch under Qualcomm that is just cursing the now Los Angeles Chargers? They're just it seems like they're just never going to put it together. And this sounds like such a crutch argument, such a terrible narrative-driven opinion. But when are they going to put it together? And now they're flying west to east as 7.5-point favorites at Buffalo, who are finally starting Josh Allen. That that game
2: is, is a weird one.
0: I, I think I'm, spoiler alert, going to be avoiding that game. With with every fiber in my body, don't Don't
2: you just want to love the Bills though? But you also equally want to avoid it at all costs.
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
2: The you're like looking at it. You're like, there's no. You're like, you gotta pick the Bills. It's automatic. But then you're like, we're laying thirteen. We're laying thirteen
0: and a half in in L. A. with the Chargers. I don't I don't think so. But yeah, it's there's nothing to like about this Bills team. You know, Uh, I tried to play the math game last week. Ravens can't play offense. How how did they have any business being more than a touchdown favorite? And then 47-3. to three. As Mo said, Mo was right about everything last week, uh, that game included. Um,
2: what about this? Uh, this is interesting because of the injury news. And this is, like you said earlier, Rich, we don't put the Thursday game in, and this is one reason why. So the Super Contest has the Packers-Vikings at a pick. Rogers says he's playing. Super Contest, it, you know, they don't, or the David Westgate, plus they seven. don't think. Right. Sorry they have it at
0: plus huh? seven right
2: No the super contest lines came out
0: oh I thought when the su- I thought the super contest had it as, as plus seven
2: no I, I think they, they have it as a pick
0: oh I could have sworn when I looked yesterday it was plus seven and I saw somebody tweet about it being plus seven
2: I want to say that tweet was the other way like they would have been plus seven uh, but they're not something uh, like that
0: gotcha interesting. So, Donnie's
2: drunk. They're plus seven. Yeah,
0: they're plus seven.
2: In the super contest? Yes. Oh well, then fancy super contest is wrong. Come on, Yada, get your shit together. Well,
1: Packers ownership is going to be infinity if Rodgers plays.
2: Yeah,
0: this is one of those and we have to click it as well. It's a, it's a, it's the free square. If Rodgers plays, you have to click it.
1: I don't know if that's free. I'm going to be honest.
0: You think my Vikings would be minus thirteen at home?
1: No, I'm. Just, oh, oh shit, I was reading that wrong. This is Lambo, fam.
2: <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, but then it's also like if he's playing, how much is he, like, what's wrong with him? Do we even know? Have they said anything? If Aaron Rodgers is on the pitch and they're getting plus seven, it's a free
0: spot. I'm sorry. I love them, and I love the Vikings
1: more than anybody. Yeah, the Vikings are amazing, but you... you- You have to take that point. I I I mean, holy shit.
0: I think the Vikings are the best team in football.
1: I don't even think it's close.
0: But I still have to take Rodgers plus seven at home in that spot. Speaking of best team in football, many people thought it was going to be the New Orleans Saints. But Ryan Fitzpatrick went out and put 48 points on them at home. Saints defense was kind of their calling card last year. At least it was a point of emphasis and improvement. They were eighth in defense DVOA, fifth against the pass. Week one is weird. The powder keg has some of the weirdest performances in the history of the NFL. Are we concerned? I know, again, we don't want to overact, overreact. Are we concerned with this Saints defense at all, Mo?
1: I'm somewhat concerned because I didn't understand how any of this was happening really last year. I still think there's quite a few holes.
0: Yeah, their pedigree is to get shredded, right? Last year was the outlier of actually playing well, but yeah, Saints pedigree is, uh, is getting shredded.
1: I definitely think this is the result we would most likely look at, like Titans-Chiefs from a couple of years ago when Chiefs got absolutely walloped by the Titans. It was like 31-13 or something, and Chiefs ended up going like 12-4 and and winning the division, and Titans won like three games that year. This is definitely the the result that I would look back at and be like, oh, that actually happened. Remember that.
0: Market seems to be agreeing. The Saints are hosting the Browns this week on our ten point favorites. DP, are you
2: at all concerned about the Saints defense? I mean, no, no, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm concerned, but I did think that they were going to regress a little bit, so I just don't know how concerned I am just yet. I I need to see another week. I mean, I I can't imagine that they fell off this much from last year, but it could happen. It's the NFL. The crazy shit happens all the time. Um, But I think, you know, between they're going to be obviously somewhere in the middle between what they were in week 1 against the buccaneers when you know Ryan Fitzpatrick was going all over the damn field and doing whatever he wanted versus what they were last year. I think they're going to be closer to what they were last year versus what we saw in week 1. Um, so yes, I'm concerned, but I'm not, you know, overly concerned and freaking out about it.
0: Obviously the Fitzpowder kick got a ton of love on Sunday and the That guy, when he performs at his apex, it is so fun to watch. He scrambles out to get that game-winning first down. He continuously throws his body around. He is total reckless abandon, number one by a country mile on the heart rankings. But these receivers, I know Deshaun Jackson suffered a concussion and is dealing with a shoulder injury as well, but Evans, Jackson, Godwin, Humphreys, Howard, brait like these, this receiving core... These weapons that whomever is playing quarterback for the Bucs, if when Jameis Winston returns, he's back under center, they're going to have a lot of options to throw to, and they're going to be a team that can put up some points. So I think we're going to look back, and I said this on the Friday episode last week, I think we're going to look back at that 9.5, Week 1 line, Bucks saints and be like, what the hell were we thinking? Because the Bucs, kind of like the Chiefs, I don't know what their win total is going to be. I don't know how many games they're going to be able to to come out of those shootouts alive in, but they're never going to be dead. The The door will never be closed on the back door when the Bucks are involved because those pass catchers can pretty much have their way with any secondary in this league. I mentioned.
2: Do you think that changes at all with Jameis Winston?
0: No. Jameis Winston is black Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick is white Jameis Winston with a beard.
2: Those guys, I agree to the most part. I just, I feel like Jameis Winston just does really dumb things a lot. So does like much most- dumber than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know why no, I feel no, that no, way, no, but no, I no. do.
0: How can you get much dumber than the Bowder?
2: <laughs> I know Ryan Fitzpatrick does a lot of really dumb stuff. Honestly, maybe it's just the heart thing <laughs> that I'm yeah that he, I'm
0: clinging on. He might have more heart, but those quarterbacks are identical. Big arms, no measure of risk. And they just let it fling. And they have the receivers, to be honest, to let it fling. All those guys are big. Evans and Goblin are big guys and can win 50-50s. And Jackson can just run like the wind. I don't know how that guy continues to do this at this age. I'm curious
2: to see how the team reacts, though. Um, I mean... I guess, a little bit of heart rankings. But when you're playing with Fitzpatrick and he's doing what he's doing, doing that for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden Jameis comes in, does that mess with the chemistry a little bit? You know, how does that make people feel? I don't know. Something interesting to watch, probably.
0: Well, I don't know if Jameis just patently comes in,
2: especially if this team can
0: win one of these next two games. If they start two and one, you know, I don't think Jameis Winston just automatically...
2: Or if they start three and oh.
0: Well, then it's obvious that Fitzpatrick is... Not leaving the pitch but I think two and one is it I,
2: obvious I think so it is Dirk Cutter who, who I don't know what that guy's gonna do
0: they they kind of have to be out on Winston a little bit right like yeah I mean you would think so he can't yes he can't stay on the field and when he's on the field he's not been what warranted the first pick in the draft so I don't know I don't know how you can not stick with Fitzpatrick given the locker room chemistry that you mentioned. And again, we generally lean towards things like stats and data on this podcast, but in the actual world of coaching a football team, things like chemistry matter because you're not just coaching a spreadsheet. You're coaching human individuals with human emotions, and you have to manage that week Mm -hmm. in and week out. And starting 2-1, and I mean, fuck, putting 48 points up against a team that played, that should have been playing in the NFC Championship game last year, right? Like, how do you... (laughs) Like, if it was a one-week suspension, do you think Jameis Winston starts this week?
2: I mean, yeah, I, that's it's interesting. It's <laughs> certainly not a welcome decision that I would want to have as a head coach. If they go 2-1 and one, and then one of those two wins was this big blowout win against the Saints, like you just mentioned, on the road to open the season, and then he does put Jameis Winston back, and he they, he comes in, he throws two picks, and they lose, I mean, that locker room is going to be up in arms. Yeah,
0: it's going to be a disaster. So we will have to certainly wait and see. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, it'll come to you normally on a Tuesday, this recap. Tomorrow, we will be back to select our Super Contest card and hopefully improve upon our 3-1-1 one, one week from week one. Follow these guys on Twitter, at Donnie underscore Peters, and at Mo Nuwara, N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H. Mo, get some sleep. You got some work to do <laughs> later today and some capping for the card tomorrow. Until mañana, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the Thursday night football. Peace. Out.